niños en el arco, la defensa es colosal. González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas, Chalemifrin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón, Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la selección. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Peruvian Waltz. We've got um, chances in the Sudamericana. We're starting to forget about the Libertadores already and legal one actions going uh, pretty excitingly at the moment. Renato's with me. How are you doing, Renato? All good, all good. Um, finally, now I'm back with some free, like full free time after being done with the semester. As you say, there's a lot of talk about um, stuff happening in legal one and all. Some not good positive things in Libertadores, but as a Peruvian fan, what else can you expect? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Kevin's here as well. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing well, Peter. I, it's mostly good news on my end. I'm happy to see, uh, you know, Torneo de Reservas is coming back. We have U20 friendlies going on and we have Melga, you know, keeping, keeping the lights on, basically. Fantastic. Well, I know it's it's been a little while, Kevin, but uh, I'm not Peter anymore. I'm Mike. <laughs> oh, my bad. Is it Peter? Oh, that was funny. We should, that was pure fun. <laughs> We're keeping that. We're keeping this all in, guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to keep it because... Like, shout out to Peter, by the way. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, you can uh, you can catch Peter uh, with his um, Canadian football uh, podcast. Um, but we'll stick to the Peruvian uh, today, uh, and we'll um, we'll kick off and focus on uh, Melgar, uh, who are performing fantastically in the league and in the Sudamericana. Uh, Renato, we're we're uh, four games into the Sudamericana, and Melgar top of the table, um, joint with uh, Racing uh, on nine points. The two of them play each other next um, in Argentina. It's going to be an in- incredibly tough game uh, for Melgar, but it's been, a, it's been a great campaign so far. And that, that win over River Plate in the, in the dying moments with 10 men uh, was uh, quite something to see. Oh, it was... Um... It's the, it's the one big difference I saw see with this Melgar side compared to the one from last year because last year we feel like every time they got scored on they kind of just lost hope and just like their confidence ran out but this year you're seeing them more determined like to get the result and like more times you see them like more superior to like whoever they face like they were f- superior like to we were playing until like um Gasseta got sent off but then. At the dying moments of the game, they scored like the like the pure like winning goal and from um, Jean Pierre Archimbal. Gotta give Melgar a lot of credit because they really are competing in the Sudamericana and that they got a really tough game against Racing away in a couple of days as of this recording. But I do think they're gonna they're not they're gonna fight hard to get a result rather a draw or a win because. With the way Melgar play, I know they have a great mentality, and I'm sure they can get the result. And also, they even got the players like they got Denim Wistier, who's been fantastic in their back line. Um, Paulo Reina, one of the best left backs currently in Peru. They also got a solid midfield with Orsan Arias, and of course, they got their best player, Bernie Cuesta, who is currently the top scorer in the Sudamericana. Not just think currently this year, but I think probably one of the top scores in the Sudamericana in general, which 
it's quite interesting to know. Yeah, they've been. Uh, it was incredible, and um, Archambault, the, the player to um, to get that winner. Um, and I think it was the 96th minute after uh, River Plate equalised on sort of 93. I think it was. Um, but Kevin, it's that's a it's a sign of um, great recruitment um, from Melgar once again. They've they've added those sort of young players coming through. They've kept some of their key players. And it was Archinvald who's the uh, the man to make the difference, and his style of plays really um, was something that they've identified and they've added to make sure they're a stronger team. Yeah, to be honest, I was skeptical, but when uh, Melgar uh, signed Archinvald, I, I think he was a decent player, but you know he was like 26 and he hadn't been tested internationally yet, so I was I was unsure how good a, a signing he would be. The cherry on top was Archinvald. Uh, getting that game winner in, I want to say, what was the 95th minute? Oof. This, this, this is epic for, for Melgada fans. This is probably going to be one of their, their best chances to, to get into the next round of the Sudamericana. I think they've shown that they can, uh, they can play well against uh, a Racing and uh, Uruguayan side, uh, Brazilians. They, they've, going toe-to-toe and have not been lacking in my eyes. Um, it also helps to have the top scorer of the Sudamericana. So th- this seems like it's their tournament. They're going hard, and I'm, I'm hoping they can they can keep it going, keep it going and, and make Peru proud. That's right. And they're up against, I say, Racing, who are one of the, the best-performing sites in Argentina at the moment, but they can, they can go with confidence because of just how they've got themselves organized. They know... They know what they're doing. They don't fear anybody, it seems. And um, they look set to at least give that a good challenge. I mean, while we're, while we're, while we're recording, it's half-time in their game now. They're 2-0 up from two home goals uh, from ADT. Um, and they're back on top of the um, of, uh, Liga 1, as, as things stand. Um, so everything looking really, really good um, for, the, uh, for the fans of Melgar at the moment. Uh, and then I think it's important to give a little shout out to Ayacucho for how they've been performing in the um, Sudamericana as well, Renato. Um, they, it was a disappointing result against Everton. I thought they, they maybe not so much result, the performance was quite disappointing, I felt. Um, but in the other games, they've, they've really shown, um, especially from players like Tichera, that they, they, have some, they have a bit of quality there and that it's just, just been a bit short. Yeah, that's the perfect that's the perfect way to describe Mayakucho is that yeah, they're short, but I do think that they at least showed some spirit, especially put in their for the first game thing in Sao Paulo where they were denied the plane in altitude like setting and they showed like a lot of effort. Like you can tell that they were like they knew that they, they had that like the plane like you know like with great mentality no matter where they were and they got the players like Techera, especially like I think as a few hours ago, um, as of this recording, he was just toying around Sporting Cristal. Um, it just shows you how like I do think Techera's like his level goes beyond what you would normally see in Liga One. And I would not be surprised that if Techera is going to be lasting, would hardly last even a year at Ayacucho. I do think one of the big three will be wanting to get a signature. But yeah, I mean. 
what matters for Ayacucho is that they at least try to get some results, even if they're not gonna if it looks like hopeless and make it to the next round of Sudamericana, at least try to give like a name for Peru, like in a positive way. Definitely, he's um he's he's been very enjoyable to watch, hasn't he, Tichero? And yeah, someone who definitely uh, this 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 year is a bit of a uh, shop window year for him, possibly as a way of to remind some of the bigger sides of uh, of his ability and potential. But let's move on to uh, the Libertadores, um, and it's not been quite as uh, quite as promising for our side there. Going into the fourth game um, of the groups, there was only one country with zero points, and that was Peru. We've luckily got a point each for both of our sides. And we'll start with Alianza Lima, Kevin. Um, a 1-1 draw uh, with Colo Colo um, at home. Bustos went to that four at the back that he's um, that he's moved to. He, he, he decided to stick with it in this game. And it was uh, a dreadful first half and a fantastic start to the second. Yeah, I, I think every Aliancista was probably a little bit disappointed in the first half. Um, probably wanted to see more from the team because they, they kind of seemed a little shut down, especially um, Jairo Concha, who's not had the best Libertadores campaign yet. Um, surprisingly, I think La Bandera is probably the one who, who stepped up the most. And then I think no one expected the goal from, from Wilmar Aguirre. I think personally, I, I would have thought he could have been subbed off in, in halftime and no one would have noticed. But it it was overall positive. Uh, clearly, Colo Colo is, is a very good side, the top of the table in Argentina. I mean, I'm sorry, in Chile. And it shows. It shows, a, you know, Hill was, was solid. He was everywhere creating plays. Uh, Gabi Costa showing a very high level. And, and then you have, you know, some some people like Suazo who are very good fullbacks giving Alianza a very tough time, but I think in the second half Alianza did figure out how to recover a little bit. Uh, obviously the, the goal helps, but uh, aside from that, I think uh, you know Miguel Cornejo coming in distributed more. He was more confident than Jairo Concha, so it's a positive sign on that end. And I mean. At the end of the day, it's going to be uh, Alianza is going to have you know, another home game and it'll be probably the one that decides if they will make it or not to the next round. Um, Fortaleza has not seemed a very strong side uh, in this Libertadores campaign. And you could still see Alianza on an upward trajectory. So I'm, I'm hoping it, it, you know, it works out. I could see it as, you know, they're like the rentistas, like uh, like Cristal's campaign last season. And I, I think it might work out. I, I at least have the faith. That's very necessary, isn't it, with the uh, with this long run that Alianza have gone on now with, without a win in the Libertadores. And Renato, Kevin mentions there, Jairo Concha, um, just not quite finding his form in the Libertadores. He's been... He's been very, well, a very good player recently, especially in Liga One. But this possibly this change of system his, has um, affected him a little bit more. Um, he's he's gone from sort of a ten to an eight, and he's moved around a bit. And maybe that's 
stunted his um, progression this year at the start and it's he's having to sort of get more used to it possibly oh yeah absolutely um regarding his formula.org is i just think it has to do with the fact that i think i'm pretty sure this is higher coach's first like continental tournament as a as a club player i know he's played like like tournaments like this with the like with the national team wise but in terms of club, I think this is the first time he's played in something like that. So maybe he's just like it kind of seems like going like from League of One to a competition like Libertadores could seem like a little like too much. But I mean, as a professional, he has to get used to these type of matches. But I also do think that maybe like Colin's just the type of player that just likes to find space. And when in the first half, Colo Colo was giving no space to anybody and was it really limited higher conscious presence. But at the same time, you cannot say that Hyrule Coins is a bad player. Like you, we saw, we see his quality in League of One that that he can like be a great, a great eight. And I do think that he, potentially he could be a great alternative for Sergio Pena in the national team. I just think it depends on Coach or not. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he would go like leave Peru soon. Like I could see maybe in Mexico or maybe even try his luck in Europe, like in let's say in the Netherlands or Portugal. I just think like there's a talent in him. It just depends how he wants to take it. And I just hope that maybe for his sake that he does well against Fortaleza because I do think what Concha needs right now is like a good performance in Libertadores to gain like a lot of trust from Alianza fans and also hence for himself in general. Yeah, he's I mean, like we say, he's he's been doing it in the Liga One, but yeah, he's found it. Found it a little bit hard um, in Libertadores, but I, I feel that that's to do with the changes in his role throughout the throughout this sort of first half of the season, how the uh, how everything's changed for um, for the squad seems to seems to fit his position a lot more than it does others. Um, so there's more 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 pressure possibly and more changes, but. I think I have uh, the confidence in him to um, continue to grow as a player. And Kevin, we say you're saying Fortaleza is the side uh, that we're competing with to try and get that third spot. It looks particularly difficult as Fortaleza showed a little bit of a, um, a step forward with that draw against River Plate. Um, how, how do you? How are you feeling now after that? As a as an Alianza Lima fan, you say you've got the faith, but it looks it could be very it could be pretty tricky yeah i mean uh fortaleza is, is not you know a, a terrible side obviously they made it to libertadores they had a good campaign to get there uh i just don't think that they are the uh, the boogeyman you know alianza has had to face you know a lot of strong sides in the last couple of libertadores boca river uh, um i want to say flamengo oh, no no it was inter i think <clears throat> Inter, because I remember them playing against Guerrero. Um, so they, they've, you know, continuously gone up against big sides and had, you know, uh, at least okay performances enough to uh, get a point at home. And while they, they do have to basically break their curse and actually get a win at home against this Fortaleza to make it to the next side, if, if I'm looking at the group, you know, last couple of years, I would say this is the most manageable, not that it's easy, but the most manageable of the last couple seasons that I've seen Alianza and Libertadores. They are, um, 
they are the, the ones that have come from Brazil that are not as not as well known possibly and yeah the newer side um for Alianza Lima to be going up against and it's not it's not Flamengo who uh Sporting Cristal still have to play um in Brazil uh, they're mathematically still alive uh, Renato but uh, a win in Argentina, I think, as well, is necessary. Uh, or is it at home, sorry, with Talleres in the next game? It is home, but oof, just the way it's been going, it's like this whole campaign of Libertadores for Kistan, it's just disappointing to say the best because I just think it has to do with a lot of factors, like the squad just like not being like, of the standards on um, Roberto Mosquera's tactics and decisions. And also, like, I think, like, just, like, the lack of, a, of like, the, like, the big, like, top, like, or, like, a goal scorer that's not, like, that can give you the goals in competitions like Libertadores, and that's what Cristal are lacking right now. They recently, not long ago, they signed Jairo Mosquera from the Bolivian League, a Colombian, Yet a few days ago, they announced that his he resigned in his contract. I can tell you that it was both performance issues and also because he wasn't living up to the expectation of Cristal fans. The fact that Cristal signed a player with all due respect who is not even good enough for the club is just tells you that the recruitment and the failure to replace Edera has been terrible. And it's now just costing them so much on the pitch. And it just shows. And but even I gotta say that even like Roberto Mosquera has a, has part to play because in the lot in the recent match against um Universidad Católica um everything was going well for Grisada like maybe not they weren't playing good but they were at least trying and good thankfully Percy Lisa scored the goal but problem was going to the second half Católica was just pressing pressing and you'd think at that point it was time to make changes but Mosquera waited until the very moment Catolica scored to make changes, which I saw this as a poor mentality, because at that point, you should have made changes right beforehand, not wait way after they scored a goal on you. I felt like this game could have been won, and fortunately, we got a draw, and I feel like that kind of just made like the progression of Libertadores from bad to worse, which is a shame, but, I mean, this shows you the current state of Cristal. That's right, the... Um... The clinical number nine is uh, something that's very difficult to get hold of. And the search continues, really, doesn't it, from uh, um, moving on from Herrera a little while ago. And it's something that Cristal and Alianza are maybe not so much, but similarly need to uh, need to be looking at, Kevin. Yeah, I, I think especially for, for Cristal, they have the specter of Herrera. You know, he scored over 60 goals for them in, in like three seasons, I want to say. And one of them, he was mostly injured. So it, it's it's a tough, it's, it's a tough, uh, you know, person uh, to step up to or to be compared to. This goes for, for all the signings that, that Cristal is, has done or is going to do in the near future. Uh, thankfully, Persilisa, you know, he, he scored in, in the last match. And then you have, you know, an old, a faithful servant, like Irving Avila, who just keeps putting in work for Cristal. He, he keeps uh, showing up into dangerous positions, opening up for a, a younger nine. I, I kind of see it like when he was at Morelia, playing with Rey Sandoval, who was not quite a winger, not quite a striker, but they would move in and out of position to, uh, to create some danger. 
back in Mexico. And that, that's kind of how I feel like Lisa has to learn from Avila. Um, aside from that, it, it's a little bit unfortunate uh, as far as the, the signings, because I, I think, you know, Cristalia is probably one of the deepest benches in Peru, if, if not the most uh, depth. But they're not they're not relying on it. You, you know, they, they waited for um, Ucatolica to score on them to put in, you know, Hoberg, who's probably one of the the highest goal scorers in in the Peruvian league the last couple of seasons. Um, Fernando Pacheco, who's coming back from Brazil, I think was was highly rated. But, you know, it, it took him some time to, to get some match fitness with Cristal. And it's unfortunate because I think he had he had gotten two assists in the I don't know if it was the week right before the match or or the week past, but he was looking to to put in some good performances and with ten minutes I don't think it's enough. Um, that that one is on the coach, but it they do have to figure out what what they want from the team. Do they want to be compact? Do they just want to be possession focused? And in, in one of those, they just got to shoot more. Uh, I, in the first half, they, they clearly were trying. You know, I, uh, they have eight shots as opposed to Catolica. So they were, they were putting on the pedal to the max in the first half. But you could tell in the second half that it was all Catolica. They had no shots on target. Um, and Catolica, you know, had like, what was it, 12 shots total. Only one on target, but... It was it was going more towards the Chilean side way, so it was only a matter of time that they were going to get scored on. Because let's face it, Cristal's uh, strength is not has never really been in defense. Um, they're more of a possession a frontal side that you know usually runs up the score in Peru, but need to balance it out maybe a little bit more in Libertadores. I think that they they're gonna put on a good performance against Tigres. I think they know that's that's the last uh, real chance at getting to the Sudamericana. And Mosquera is is probably you know feeling the heat right now because I think that's what the Cristal uh, fans want at this at this point to have you know a, a decent performance in the Libertadores and and get that Sudamericana spot. Yeah, it's gonna be. Um going to be difficult uh, for the manager um, dealing with the pressures of the fans being one of the the big sides in the country and struggling each year in um, the Libertadores. Um, things need to uh, things need to improve um, to a degree um, and like Kevin says Renato it's not for the lack of quality throughout the um, throughout the squad it's it is there there may be limited options now up front uh, with um, Mosquera leaving, um, ending his contract, but the the midfield is 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 incredibly strong. When uh, especially bringing in Yotun there to add to it, um, and a good number of attacking midfield players. There's and it, it, and it's translating like many many sides could be struggling with their focus on the um, of on the Libertadores, but Cristel up there in third place. In Liga One, they've uh, got a win against Diacucho earlier today. Um, four wins out of the five. Um, just a draw in there as well. So things are things are looking good um, in Liga One. But as a as a Sporting Cristal fan, for you, it's always you're always wanting to push on further than this. Oh, like, I think it's like for every fan in general. I mean, yeah, we 
absolutely expect better in the in Libertadores, but I mean, we also got to keep in mind that um, there's also the league, the home league to be aware about. And the good thing is that we're not Chris Taller, just keeping like they're not perfect, of course. I do think that time, no, not that's like, for the most part, they can't be weak offensively because they almost blew out their lead against Ayacucho, where Ayacucho or the Cristal backline of Cristal were sleeping and Ayacucho took advantage with two goals. But I think currently the best aspect that Cristal has in, the, in their disposal is their midfield. They got a quality midfield of Yotun, Calcatera, Canchita, Case Castillo, Tavara. Fertel, but they they got like a like a good midfield on their side and per firstly aside from your two and Canchita, I think like their best player of Cristal this this year has been Jesus Castillo. Um, even in a year where you see like Percy Lisa and Gilmar Lora have lowered their level a little, Castillo is just getting better and better each game. Like you feel like he could be like the best like midfield like prospect that Cristal has got since um, Pedro Aquino, um, Castillo. Like you see like um like some like traits of him being a destroyer where he still likes to like recover the ball or like tries like like to put pressure on like any like midfielders or even for or forwards of an opposing side. But you also see how good he is with the ball. Like sometimes carrying the traits of a number eight where like. Good with the passing and that times like good at holding the ball as well. And Castillo has a lot of potential. I just hope that it all depends on him if he wants to go further. But he's on the right track so far. And there's a reason why Gareca has called him up to the national team not long ago. And as out of all like players in Cristal currently, I do think Castillo has the chances of being exported or even going to Europe at maybe possibly in the mid transfer window. I think he's going to um, have plenty of people watching um, and he's, he's in no, no need to rush into, a, um, rush into a club just because of getting interest from abroad. It, he, for me, he seems like a player who's definitely got a lot of potential and I'm sure, um, I'm sure a lot of, lot of clubs um, around, around maybe Europe and the Americas are, are keeping a good eye on him. Uh, we mentioned there, obviously, we um, Cristal up to third and uh, Melgar currently playing and still 2-0 up on top of the table. Juan Cayo is still up there uh, in Liga 1. Um, a couple of games back uh, from most of the uh, pack with uh, 11, most teams are on their sort of 13th game. And Juan Cayo is still going strong, Kevin. Um, how are we feeling about... Uh, about this side as being potential challengers for this um, for the uh, Apuerta title, Apertura. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It happens to the best of us. Huancayo, um, man, they're going strong. They're going strong, and they've they've quietly been doing it all season. I think they do have some challenging matches coming up. Uh, you know, they have Cienciano at home. They have Binacional away. Um, they have. Um, Suyana. So uh, a lot of teams that, you know, are, are at the top or fighting around the top. And, it, you know, it, this is the this is the time when they have to show that they got they got what it takes to win the Apertura because it's in their hands. It's in their hands. Uh, Melgar is a very good team. They're, they're doing what it takes. But, the, you know, they have their focus on on the Sudamericana. They're I mean, don't get me wrong. They're doing great in the league right now as well. But this is Juan Cayos to take. 
if if they don't take this apertura is because they choked because they they've been doing what they needed to do and for the most part they've they've gotten results everywhere that they needed to I, i'm not seeing i think they've gotten maybe two losses no one loss this whole this whole season so far so they just got to keep it going keep the train moving and it should be theirs yeah, just the one defeat and two draws, eight wins. Um, so yeah, it's it's looking very good for um, looking very good for the side of added added play as well. Again, uh, they've not gone crazy with uh, with different signings. Um, they seem to have got themselves a system and got a few good young players coming in as well. Um, so we'll we'll be we'll be keen to see how they got on um, as we come into come into the weekend. Like you say, they've got their Cinciano at home, so they've got their Home advantage on Sunday, and we'll see if uh, see if they can use that and to uh, to get back on um, to the top spot at the end of the weekend. We're looking at the other end of the table, Renato um, Cantalau are slipping further and further away. Um, last week, losing two 0 to Carlos Stein, another sort of relegation rival. Um, things are not looking particularly good um, for the side in Callao and. I think the, the game beforehand, as, uh, before that as well, they lost to Sport Boys in the Kayao Derby. Yeah, it's the same thing. We, everyone talks about Gantora all the time that they're always the relegation candidates. And the way I see it, I'm just wondering, how are they still in Liga 1? Like, you think after poor season after poor season, they'd be relegated. But, I mean, somehow they managed to keep on. But... As we're currently right now, like Gantola are just not doing well. Like they're really low on the table, and really, uh, I feel like they're probably worse than last year. Especially now that they lost Nudio Steli, one of their more one of their better players from last year. I do think they probably are still hanging on defensively, but I do think it also has to do with another like young Gantola product with Adam Sanchez. But I also would imagine what if Aaron wasn't there, I do think they'll probably be conceding more goals than they would already be. But yeah, nothing much to expect with Gonzalo other than they're your typical um, relegation candidate. But um, as for Carlos Sustain, um, it's an it's an interesting aspect. I mean, like Gonzalo, you do expect they're not going to be staying long in the league uh, by the end of the year, but you may never know. Well, one team that we can also be talking about is Carlos Sanucci, don't you think? <laughs> exactly, that's the next one, and uh, a nice little link there yeah. with um, <laughs> with Yuri Oselli. It's, it's um, they were a side that we we were quite excited about, um, not for a, not as a title challenger, but as a as a side that could uh, entertain somewhat, but. Kevin, the last five games, they've picked up two points. Um, they're sitting on nine points. And even with this manager change, it's not, not too much has really, um, really happened. Yeah, they, they are probably the disappointment of the season because I, I expected a, at least a Sudamericana spot from them. Um, they, they have the players. They have the squad uh, on paper, on paper. Uh, unfortunately, it's not translating well for them. Uh, it is tough because they have, you know, a great goalkeeper. They have great defenders. Yuriel uh, Celi, uh, Jose Rivera is a good player, good forward, you know, Reli Fernandez, and it's just not clicking. Um, I think this apertura is a wash for them. I mean, I think we can all tell that at this point. Uh, 
They just need to find an 11. They need to find something that works and then build on that. And I'm hoping that this, this manager can, can make that happen because I want to say they still have, you know, five or so games left. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a Copa Bicentenario or whatever you want to call it, uh, a, a national cup this year. So this is, this is pretty much it. If they can't figure out these next five, then they might, you know, slowly start waving goodbye. Yeah, it seems um, strange, strange for how it's going with them. Like you say, on paper, it's one, it looks like one thing, but on the pitch, it looks like something else. Um, just the 11 goals in 12 games is not, um, it's not going to help. Uh, and defensively, like you say, they've been fine, only, only conceding 17, and you've got to go up into the top half before you start finding other teams with a, a defence as good. So... Yeah, it'll be, they need to really start, um, really start changing, or really find a way to improve themselves going forwards. But um, we will we'll see. We've got uh, a number of games um, coming up this weekend. We'll see. We're um, kicking off with Cantalao and San Martin tomorrow. Um, it's the early kickoff, so there's a big relegation uh, derby down there. Um, and then we've got uh, Alianza Atletico are playing Sport Boys. Uh, Renato, we're we seeing. A little bit more of Valianza Atletico in their title challenge. How we uh, how are you seeing how are you seeing them at the moment? I do see Alianza Atletico as a, as an exciting team. Um, obviously, one of the surprises um, currently as of this season. Like you definitely see like a lot of like their quality in the team. Um, possibly the my favorite is Franco Zanelato, who's currently on loan from Alianza Lima. Also, they do got a good goalkeeper. Um, they do got like. Diego Penny may not be the most reliable, but at times his experience will definitely come in great handy. Um, they also got like a pair of wine striker. I forgot the name, but I do think he's like, he's recently like quickly started. Um, the quality player, but also I got to give like sport boys the credit that they've been like reviving themselves after like a very poor start in the season, especially for just not, not just in the league, but also like, Missing out on sort of many kind of group stage seems like with this new coach of theirs, they're finally finding the ideas and like translating like the great ideas to the pitch. Um, finally, you get to see like Piero Vivanco, who has been starting and you seeing his impact, Costina Corona as well. Um, the experienced players do showing their experience, and also the fullbacks, especially Jose Bolivar, who I consider one of the, the better fullbacks in the league. Um, also, Pato Alvarez is also being very secure for the goal, keeping area sport boys. So I do think this is going to be a very interesting match coming in the way. Yes, definitely. And uh, we'll have to uh, review the, the weekend's action next week um, and see, see uh, how, the, uh, how the league table is looking from there. But we've got a month, uh, just around a month to go till our uh, playoffs, Kevin. It's nice to see that... Um, Lafadulo is getting some action um, back in Serie B um, after sitting out quite quite a lot of um, quite a lot of the games this uh, calendar year. Yeah, it's it's very important that our our you know our number nine is finally getting minutes, finally getting goals, finally getting you know finally putting some respect on his name. I think uh, it's it's all positive right now. Uh, the last I, I, I looked at Serie A, they were challenging to get promoted. 
I haven't looked recently, but it, you know, the important thing is that Gianluca Lapadula is, is the main man. He's in fitness. He's the starter now. And he's going to be firing on all cylinders to get his World Cup chance come this, this June um, against the winner of Australia and, and the United Arab Emirates. Emirates. Uh, so that's, that's definitely positive. It's also positive to see players like uh, Pedro Aquino starting to get minutes. Um, Sergio Peña, I believe, was in the team of the, the month in um, for Malmao. You have our, you know, our players like, uh, you know, even Raul Ruiz Diaz, who is not currently being called up, but he just won his first uh, Conca Champions with uh, Seattle Sounders. So it, it, it's kind of starting to look positive uh, in general for, for most of our, our forwards. And it's, it's a great outlook as far as, as far as right now. That's right. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to see Lapaluli in some games, and maybe with his style of play, it's nice that he gets a break every so often to make sure he's actually going to be fully fit for the uh, for the games going forward. Um, and one player domestically that we haven't mentioned, Renato um, uh, Alex Valera, is going from strength to strength to really um, provide that backup to him. Um, it looks uh, looks to be in great form this year, Alex Valera. Absolutely. This the guy has been amazing for Universitario Tario this season. Considering Alex Valera's growth from a beach football player in Copa Peru not long ago to on track to become a top scorer in the league in Liga One this year. Like currently I think he's a top scorer as of right now with nine goals. And I bet you it's gonna be at least 20 goals by the end of the season, by the end of this year. I this guy is incredible. Um, but yeah, like I really, you gotta appreciate how Alex Valera like has worked hard to be in this position he's currently in. Um, he's just like, see, not only does he know like how to score like really well, but like the way he like he like uses like the headers, like he is like a threat airily air an aerial in the airs, which is something I feel like the selection needs if you ask me, because I don't think we got like. A striker that is like that can like use his head, like as like as a main weapon, like to score from set pieces. Maybe Paolo, but really I don't think he was not known for that much most of the time. I mean, but we also someone that gave La Padula competition. And if you ask me right now, I do consider Valera to be like above um Santiago Armenio, who is, has not been playing at all for Leon, and even Rudia's national team wise because. Valera has already scored goals as for Peru recently, and I do think Gareca really like trusts him a lot. Um, I'm sure at this point he's like the second choice striker for the national team, and I will not be surprised if Valera is even gonna if we'll be leaving Peru by by the end of this year. And he, I definitely see him going abroad at some point, and I hope it goes well for him in his career because I think he has everything to be a quality number nine even if he's 25, but he's a definition of a late bloomer and is better late than never. He's very much a, um, looks a very concentrated professional um, that's very mature and working very hard. So hopefully um, he can continue to go from strength to strength. And it's, it's something we need here. And, well, I think the last, uh, the last point we uh, might want to touch on is um 
the uh, the issues going on uh, with regarding uh, the World Cup qualifiers um, and the uh, accusations of Byron Castillo of Ecuador not being um, eligible. And Kevin, we can we can uh, we can consider the irony of uh, Chile making these uh, making these complaints while their star man was born in Stoke-on-Trent, um, but they're suggesting that. Um, that this uh, Byron Castillo isn't actually uh, eligible uh, to play for Ecuador. Um, I believe um, we've gone through and Peru's position wouldn't change no matter what happens in the outcome of this, but another entertaining piece to extend the World Cup qualifiers, I guess. Yeah, the, the novella never ends. Um, we've done the math. If even if in a catastrophic situation, Ecuador loses 24 points and ends up at the bottom of the table, uh, the only real changes would be, you know, swap Chile for Ecuador because whoever else would get points is not enough to get them to the World Cup. And at a you know twist of fate, this, this guy never played against Peru, so we wouldn't get any points one way or the other. Um, so it's, it's a strange situation because FIFA has also asked us to be a part of the commission and or more than anything, to give our opinion on the matter, uh, which is strange. Maybe they wanted a non-biased opinion, which I'm not sure we could give. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're just used to us being involved in these kind of, uh, <laughs> these kind of uh, activities. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Renato, it's uh, it's another thing to add to the um, to the entertainment of uh, Commonwealth organization, I guess. It just never ends, honestly. It's it never ends. Like always, drama from Commonwealth. And what better way it is with Chile being the one complaining because we all know that it did not work how well it worked out for the last. Last time they complained, where they were dumb complaining about that that Paraguayan that was playing for Bolivia actually was a reason why we were in the World Cup in the first place. And I mean, it's chilly. Like they will be finding ways to be sneaky, even if they or the way they show on the pitch is just absolutely bad when they play dinosaurs like Vidal or Alexis. But um, going into more like the serious matter, I I don't know if if it's worth for the FFAF. He um. To like to join in for the complaint. I mean, the good thing is that no matter what happens, is that Peru will still be re- like guaranteed a rep of a repachaje. But honestly, I don't know. I don't see what Peru has anything to do with this matter, really, because like Byron never played against Peru, and really, like, what else do we have? Like, as maybe one, as one of you mentioned, that maybe they get a non-biased opinion. But as, again, like, this has nothing to do with us. So I just think right now, I just feel like this whole thing, now it could be this as a crazy theory that this could be a whole like set up by Chile just to cause pressure to Peru to think, to not make them focused for the repachaje because really like the whole, the team should be focused on the repachaje. Like do not care about this whole thing. Like what's more of a for right now is to get ready for that, like that big game next month because that's the only way we can get to the World Cup. Doesn't matter what FIFA says, we need to show it on the pitch. Exactly, and we'll have um, more build-up for that in the, in some future podcasts um, coming soon. But 
Uh, we'll uh, wrap up today then. Kevin, can you uh, remind everyone where they can find you and uh, anything you'd like to add before we, before we wrap up? Hey, you guys can find me at kmontelvon7 on Twitter. And uh, I'll do a shout out to, to Peter. Hey, man, we miss you, clearly. And hopefully we might be able to do something with you as we get closer to the World Cup. Uh, aside from that, I'm very happy to hear the Torneo de Reservas is back. It's good for the Peruvian youth to start getting back into action. It's the only way we'll have a new national team in the future. Exactly. Yeah, we need to uh, we need to get these young players playing. It's a long it's been a long gap, um, sadly, and definitely it would be great to get um, Peter back on, especially as we get closer to this um, get closer to this playoff game. Uh, we get to hear, to hear his thoughts. I'm sure he's been watching and uh, keeping a very close eye. Renato, remind us how to uh, find you. You guys can follow me at Renato underscore Sun on Twitter. Um, yeah, um, a shout out to Peter as well. We really miss him so much kids does feel like a little like still like unopened when you have like the host that you've been working with like to be gone for the podcast even though it's been like quite a couple of months already but hopefully we can have him like for a future pod in the future and also as kevin mentioned that great to see that the, the reserve tournament's coming back finally after so long it's great news for the players the reserve players in peru and especially for like to open up a new generation of players because it was better late than never. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, um, we good to see, I know some of these players are just a bit stuck. I mean, slightly too old for one age group and not being quite ready for the, uh, for the first team. So yeah, it'd be exciting to see. Um, You can find me at Mike Rice, 1983 uh, on Twitter. um, And we'll look forward to um, bringing you some more updates on the Peruvian league shortly.